0: Hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and I are tuned in to the Tim and Friends show.
1: Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four,
2: three, two, one. Let's go another condensed version of Tim and Friends with me, Timothy, and our digital producer, Jesse Rubinoff. Jays and Rays, first of a four-game series at the Little Trop of Horrors. Comes your way 6 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. First pitch set to fly 6.30, well, 6.40 to be exact. We will break down last night's loss and its lost opportunity, excuse Mm -hmm. me, and this all-important series with Joe Siddle, co-host of Blue Jays Central, in First Things First. That's right. Jose Barrios versus J.T. Chigua. Gotta love the race. Chigua. You know J.T. was like an outfielder and relief pitcher, and he's the guy that's going to start the series, and an all-important series. Like, it feels so raised, does yeah. not? Yeah, Can't be surprised by that. Just pluck guys out of thin air. They throw 99. Right. That's the way it is. Right, and then some guys named Yarrow is going to come out and probably hurt the Jays, but I feel... And we'll get into this a little bit i feel like this might be a jays team kind of sort of learning to turn that corner we'll discuss in first things first so first out of the show game day starts right here with tim and friends and with the jays game on sportsnet we shift gears and go hard on everything else. That's right, coast to coast to coast, as NHL camps are open across the country. Ryan Leslie, Dan Murphy, Gene Principe, Sean Reynolds, Sean McKenzie, Kyle Bukaskas, and Eric Angles will all stop by. We'll follow that up with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick as they kick off their 32 Thoughts Ontario tour. Not only that, Canadian men's national soccer team who captured this country's heart in qualifying unlike many others before it is about to play their first game since June as they face Qatar tomorrow in a tune-up for the World Cup. James Sharman is going to stop by as well. We'll discuss the possibilities and some significant injuries to the Canuck kids heading into this little window of two friendlies. And if that weren't enough, week three of the National Football League about to kick off the Steelers and Browns on Thursday night football. Brandon Stokely, or as Gus Johnson says it, Oh, God! Stokely! Got to the sideline! Stokely! Wow! Touchdown! Oh, my goodness! The Gus-gasm. Stokely! Yeah. You think he better. loves it or hates it?
3: Oh, you, you got to love it because it's given you so much publicity over the years. Everyone goes back and watches that call. That's one of the famous Gus Johnson calls of it, all time.
2: It is one of the famous yeah. Gus Johnson calls of all time. He's got to love it. I'm not sure if he loves it. Really? Don't you think that every person that walks by him now goes, <laughs> Stalkly! Yeah, that's not a bad point. Yeah, you have to ask him. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, can the Browns bounce back from uh, being the Browns? And they're studying loss to the Jets. We'll break it all down. Starting with first things first, Jesse Rubinoff. So let's put it on track, Kevin Mack.
4: First
5: things first.
3: First. I saw the Tim and Friends, friends of the show, helping you out a little bit with some... Some names that you could use. Yeah,
2: without a doubt. You see that? Yeah, they've last been, night they've been flowing a little yeah. bit of late. Yeah, it's nice to see. I'm gonna have to sprinkle the uh, the names throughout the openings of these shows, yeah. but I wanted to go uh, Brown specific yeah. on that one. Yeah,
3: no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, okay, the Toronto Blue Jays are in Tampa to open up a four game series with the Rays tonight. The Jays, two games up on Tampa for the first wild card spot in the American League. Entering the series, they did have a chance to make it a three game lead, but they blew a three nothing lead to the Phillies and lost in extra innings last night. Was that, Timmy, a wasted opportunity?
2: Another wasted opportunity? I guess like, that's how I should have phrased to quote it. quote DJ Khaled, another one, Jesse? Another one. I hate to go here again, but that, that felt like a game they should have won. And I tried to tell you last week, after failing to close out the Rays in the fifth of their five-game series, that I thought that was a missed opportunity. The Orioles, earlier this week, when they had the opportunity to sweep, Jordan Romano, I understand, it was his first blown save at Mm -hmm. home ever. That's a pretty damn good run. Are are we now a little more concerned about this, Jesse? No, I mean, there were certain things that were involved in the game
3: that may have been concerning, but overall, I still think they're in very good shape here. I mean, obviously, you look at the bullpen, you look at Jimmy Garcia. That's three straight games where he's allowed a run. That's the first time that's happened all season long, so that's a little bit concerning, and Jordan Romano blowing back-to-back save opportunities for the first time uh, ever is also kind of concerning. Uh, but Well, it sounds
2: like it's concerning. No,
3: no, but there, there, were, some, <laughs> there were some other things that, uh, you know, you didn't have one of your best options in the game for whatever reason, and that's going to be important, and I'm talking about Anthony Bass, not having him pitching last night. And John Schneider said after the fact that they just thought Simber was a better matchup in that particular spot. Are you suggesting there's more to that? There may be, because it, it seems like when you have someone who has proven to be one of your better relievers, especially in, in high, important leverage situations. Sitting on his caboose in the bullpen? Yeah, very weird. Very weird. And so if he's, if he's injured, then my level, my personal level of concern would skyrocket.
2: Well, but right. this is what I'm asking you, homeboy. Is, is, is there a lack of a killer instinct on this team? Because I want to no. be honest with you, as I hear you contemplate maybe even forward Your response to this, it kind of sort of feels like the time I was trying to tell you that the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, having trouble holding leads was an issue. issue. And you kept telling me, ah, but if they win the game, it's not a big deal. And then in the end, it kind of sort of was a big deal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This lack of a killer instinct for me is the difference between really good and great. And I'm not suggesting Mm -hmm. that they're not really good. What I'm suggesting to you is, I mean, listen. The bullpen since the All-Star break has been really good. The bullpen in the last six games has an ERA of over eight. Like, There's a lot of ways that you can win games in Major League Baseball. You can blow teams out. You can score a bunch of runs. Sometimes you don't even need the bullpen. And when it seems like the Jays have had a chance to go for the jugular in the last little while, they have failed. And to me,
3: that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is hard to argue because they ended up losing the game. But you just said that it depends what sample size you want to take. And I understand that lately the bullpen has not been good. Yeah, but this is when it matters most. Yeah, this this,
2: is, I, I I'm the dude that's been patient all the time, but it's no longer time for patience. No. This is when you book your trip to the postseason this is when you earn home field advantage in that wild card and this is the difference between good and great you don't want to go to Tropicana field in the postseason you don't want to go anywhere if you can avoid it in the postseason and they can avoid it Mm -hmm. by taking home that first wild card do you know who the Jays fought so I looked up Tropicana Field to see what their record was at Tropicana Field because obviously they're playing this four-game series there. And depending on how this breaks down, they could end up playing a Uh three-game wild card at Uh Tropicana. Uh, Lifetime, franchise is 85-128 and at Tropicana Field. Fifth worst record of any team the Jays have faced. You know the four other parks ahead of it? I do, but why don't you enlighten us? Well, let's have a look together then. Jesse's seen this. Minute Maid Park. This is concerning. In the playoffs. (laughs) Yankee Stadium. (laughs) In the playoffs. T-Mobile Park. Another place they could end. Seattle. Progressive Field. Guardians. And the first one, Minute Maid Park, is Houston. Correct. All all those in the playoffs, potential teams, that they want to play at home. Yeah, yeah in the postseason and to do that they've got to win a few of these games that they could have won I'm not saying that the team is bad I'm not saying I hate the bullpen I'm telling you and sometimes when when you're critical of teams the fans just get upset Mm -hmm. and I feel like you're defending the team because they're good and I agree with you Mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is to get to the spot where you want to be which is winning when it matters the most those are the games that you have to close out. One of them was 11-0. They never had a chance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The final game against the Rays at home in that five-game series was a real chance to put some space between themselves and everybody else. They're still in that first wild card. They still have a little breathing room. They still can get that first wild card. What I'm telling you is when you get to the postseason and you're facing good teams, you can't give them that kind of breathing room. You, if you get a chance the best teams put their foot on the throat i mean it's hard to argue because they ended up losing the
3: game uh, i do have some rather uh, good news the mariners who are playing at this current point in time are actually losing to the oakland athletics so the blue jays Speaking despite of, despite the loss uh, the jays are clearly not the only team sputtering the rays have not been playing well as of late we heard about the
2: rosarini yandi diaz apparently uh, confrontation not physical. Apparently not, not physical. physical. There was a, a there was a follow up report. Right? Apparently not physical. And speaking of poop in the bed against like Seattle. Yeah. This is two in a row against Oakland. They're losing right now. They lost three of four against the Angels. Like this is really interesting mm-hmm. and you wonder if any of this goes into the postseason who you want to face in the postseason becomes an issue and right now it looks like hey listen i would love to, i would love to see the jays play in seattle and have those fans half of fans being <laughs> jays fans <laughs> yeah I- immediately try to get to seattle as quickly mm-hmm. as possible if they'll allow them to buy tickets <laughs> as we're hearing by the way they're not doing in detroit anymore the yeah. geofencing their tickets? That's the Pistons you're talking about, yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, that's specifically for the Raptors because no. the entire Raptors, it's the whole Raptors crowd. Uh, okay, you want to take a look at the uh, lineup for tonight. Whit Merrifield will be uh, in the lineup tonight. I believe he is playing in uh, left field. Uh, Santiago Espinal out of the lineup. He left the game yesterday with uh, side discomfort and still no Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So you see Kevin Biggio will be playing second base. He's in the ninth spot uh, with Merrifield. Left field, and yeah, I mean that's pretty much
2: your lineup. Alejandro Kirk, DHing. Uh, super stat or meaningless number when it comes to Whit Merrifield, who appears in your screen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Whit's in the starting lineup, the Jays are five and seventeen uh, since the deal to bring him over to Toronto. When he is not in the starting that lineup, that is just a. Are twenty-one and two. That's a
3: damning statistic. I mean, that has to be a super stat. There's no other way around it. And they, you got to think about
2: whether he's going to be on the postseason roster at this point. Do you not? They have won fifteen straight games when Whit Merrifield is not in the starting lineup. I mean, he is a very versatile player. That you, but Bradley Zimmer is your defensive center fielder slash pinch runner, right?
3: Yes, he is. Despite. Uh, some people, considering what happened last night on the Teoscar-Hernandez line-out and double-up that Zimmer got doubled up on uh, to be a mistake, but he will be the pinch runner. He's the Dalton Pompeo this year. This wasn't Bryce Harper-esque, though. No. No. This, no, was, no, a, no, no, this
2: was a tough break.
3: No, I know that— um, If I was Teo, I would have let a ball go by. On the a, broadcast, they were they were defending Zimmer in, in that case because you know, the natural inclination is to sort of lean— towards third base naturally, and, and that happens, and that's a tough situation. The, the problem with that at bat was Teoscar Hernandez swinging at a pitch that was completely out of the zone 2-0, and the pitcher couldn't find the strike zone. That's my beef with
2: that little situation. Well, did you realize that I just said that?
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we I was agree again. About,
2: I was thinking about Zimmer. So we agree we, again, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, agree again. I, I, uh, I I completely agree. I would have let one more ball go by. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, what about Joey Votto being in the stands last We can, we
2: can agree again, Joey Votto. What's that? Awesome. Cool guy. <laughs> Joey Votto was given the Roberto Clemente award for the Cincinnati Reds, so he showed up for his uh, his presentation and then he decided to watch the game in the stands. Very so cool. he's got the Pirates Clemente jersey on, shakes hands, kisses babies, uh, gives a check to the Freestone food bank and then just heads up and watches the game with a, switches the jersey Barry yeah. Larkin he went from Saw Clemente that. to Barry Larkin and then just took pictures signed autographs waved like he for the for as different a dude as he is like he also seems like an amazing hangout
3: yeah I mean do, do you have a particular athlete that well, I don't know when you were a kid and because this has got to be so cool especially for the kids that are in attendance just seeing Joey Votto like this if you were in attendance as a kid, do you have one athlete that, if they decided to do this, would just
2: you'd be over the moon? Yeah, my first guy was Walter Payton. Yeah. Period. Just one of those class guys. Sweet. Sweetness. Yeah. Uh, so that would probably be my guy. Uh, that's probably a little too far removed. But yeah, without a doubt. So Imagine cool. seeing yeah. uh, a superstar like Joey Votto just walking around. And the like, there's a lot of guys. Let me be honest with you that I've met that are professional athletes. <laughs> that wouldn't do that, yeah. right? They wouldn't have the guts to kind of just walk around and not have an entourage separating themselves from the common folk. Yeah. But Joey's not that dude. No. Which is very cool. Clearly, Maybe the Canadian in him. Yeah, he knows
3: the impact that he's making when he does something like that, I think. Okay, uh, speaking of Canadians, we go to hockey. The players hit the ice at training camps across the league today as we got our first look at some of the new faces in different places. Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Uberdo in Calgary, Jack Campbell in Edmonton, Claude Giroux in Ottawa, and Johnny Goudreau in Columbus. Meanwhile, there were some notable players absent from Habs camp. Newly appointed captain Nick Suzuki is expected to miss two weeks with a lower body injury. Joel Edmondson is out indefinitely, while Josh Anderson and Jake Evans are considered day-to-day with upper body injuries. And Paul Byron and Sean Monahan are out with hip injuries. There are a few players missing from Leafs camp as well. Jake Muzzin is out due to back discomfort. Pierre Engvall is dealing with an ankle injury, and Timothy Lilligren is expected to miss six
2: weeks after ungo-
3: undergoing hernia surgery. How concerning are these injuries, if at all?
2: Well, Sheldon Keefe said that he's not concerned about Jake Muzzin, so I won't act like I'm concerned about Jake Muzzin just for the sake of a story. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, I'm glad we didn't shake on the Canadiens getting more than 55 <laughs> points this year because that's a long list of dudes. Right. Um, listen, Suzuki was the only Hab to play 82 games last year. Seeing him on that list is a tad bit concerning. Uh, Edmondson, we know, had a tough year last year. That's not how Marty St. Louis wanted to start the season in Montreal, without a doubt. It just feels like the rebuild could be pretty damn tough. Mm-hmm. The Leafs, the Lilligren one, like, not having Sandine in camp and then having Lilligren out for the first six weeks has to be concerning to not only Leaf fans, but Leaf brass, no?
3: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these are going to be guys that you're going to start to have to rely on because they are homegrown talents that, you know, otherwise you're swapping in depth pieces, and that has
2: been the case. But you for don't a exactly year. have depth on defense yeah. either, and yeah. you're bringing in two brand-new goalies that you're trying to, you know, roll the dice and come up 7-11 on. you right? got to gel fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've got a banged-up decor and one holding out, waiting for more money on a team that doesn't have any more money. Like it, it doesn't sound like a great start for the Toronto Maple Leafs in that specific role, whether or not that means enough. Listen, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner come out on fire might not mean a hell of a lot. Fair enough. But let's be honest. That decor, not a ton of depth. Those goalies are going to need as much help as you can possibly give them because you're trying to rebuild confidence. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't look like a great start for the Toronto. believes.
3: You now the Muzzin one a little bit concerning too, just because he's he's a veteran back there, maybe gives some stability, but you know
2: Muzzin? getting up there, yeah. I just I, I listen. He's had a few injuries over the last some few miles years, on him. yeah. But I'm not going to make it up while Sheldon Keith says that he's not concerned unless Sheldon Keith's just lying to us. There have been coaches to lie to us before. I will take him at his word for now. Uh, Drake Batherson was trending today. Uh, He was asked about the investigations into his 2018 World Junior Team. Now, there's an entire kind of news scrum around Drake Batherson, and they start in and around there. He said that he was fully cooperating uh, with Hockey Canada and wouldn't talk about it beyond that. But a little later in the scrum... Uh, Claire Hanna, TSN, uh, went back to Batherson on hockey culture. And his answer is why he's trending today. Here's the question and the answer.
6: What's your take on hockey culture just right now and where it is?
5: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm living the dream. I can't complain. Uh, we
7: got a great dressing room in there. Um, yeah, uh, I'm having a blast every day. So, um uh, yeah, I can't can't complain
2: about it at all. Walk off. He, he couldn't have comprehended what the question was with that answer. Like he doesn't come off well either way. But he couldn't have comprehended what the question actually was and then responded that way, right? No, I think they. He probably interpreted it as, "How is the room?
3: How's the sense room right now?"
2: Yeah, they were talking about team chemistry before yeah. that. Yeah. So in. In isolation, it looks awful, and how he couldn't understand that someone might go back at him after he said, I'm not going to talk about this moving forward, is to me probably a miss, at very least, to put it gently, to put it mildly, to put it maybe nicely, a miss, but he doesn't come off well either way. Right, you can have a misunderstanding, but it can also still be a mistake. Correct. Yeah. Like you got to pay attention. Y- y- yeah, you got to pay attention, Correct. and especially given the circumstances surrounding the questions that he will be asked over the next little while, it just it didn't come off well at all. That's why you're trending. Yeah. Uh, okay. According to reports,
3: Boston Celtics head coach Ime Udoka could be facing a suspension for the entire 2022-23 season. For his role in an intimate relationship with a female member of the Celtics staff, the relationship is reportedly considered a violation of the organization's guidelines. We are still waiting for a formal announcement from the team.
2: What do you make of this story? It's kind of been trickling in over the last, I don't know, uh, 12 to 15 hours late last night, Adrian Wojnowski, uh tweets out what was a cryptic message about Bizarre. what was the future yeah. of Ime Udoka in Boston. Uh, we learn a little bit later, Sham Sharani is suggesting that it was infidelity and an affair with someone else in the Boston Celtics um, organization. I mean, they're not suspending him for a year because of infidelity. Like, there would be a lot of dudes in trouble in the NBA and be, how all sports mm-hmm. if leagues were suspending guys for cheating, right? Like, the suspension has to be about abuse of power or more. It can't be inf- infidelity. Yeah, well, it,
3: it feels like the Boston Celtics would have to be the absolute... Like bastion of morality in sports if that was actually what's happening here. Yeah, then they
2: would have to go through their entire roster and their entire front (laughs) office and their entire if it was just infidelity. So it feels like maybe as this story becomes uh, if there's a little bit more sunlight on this story, uh, we'll realize that it's not just infidelity. Like if it's just infidelity and he gets the same suspension as Robert Sarver, like this league has bloody well lost the plot. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the
3: only thing that I, I've seen that opinion a lot today, and, and I totally understand it. They're two different entities, though. Sarver was dealt his disciplinary action from the league, and Ime Udoka, it appears, is from the Celtics. So like I said, unless the Celtics are just, this is pure, purely a morality play,
2: then, you know. My point is that it's not. Yeah. It can't be. Yeah. I, yeah. If it was... There's, yeah. I mean, listen, there's levels to all this stuff, but it can't just be infidelity. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it would be shocking. There were reports
3: earlier in the day that he might actually resign from his position as head coach as the story develops. Chris Haynes has since updated that, saying Udoka will not be resigning from his position as he awaits sanction from the organization. Yeah, so, the, the, uh,
2: the lawyer spoke up here. Yeah,
3: nothing too too official, I guess, yet, but we will have to keep an eye on that. Because, it, I mean, it does, frankly, it has ramifications. Across the league. They were in the finals last year.
2: Without a doubt. In the Eastern Conference and beyond. And who takes over. And yes, without a doubt. Uh, Okay, let's move
3: on to football. Week three in the National Football League kicks off tonight. As the Steelers visit the Cleveland Browns. Both teams won their season openers. Then lost in week two. Pittsburgh is coming off a loss to the Patriots. While the Browns had a 13-point lead over the Jets. With less than two minutes to go.
2: And lost 31-30. How do you expect them to respond tonight? No idea that the Cleveland Browns. That, that may have been the browniest of Browns' browning last week against the Jets. Do you have any idea how they bounce back? N- no. They're uh, better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they are. The Steelers are bad. They, yes. they are better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. They should beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they're favorite. But I have no idea what they're going to do. Like. We'll ask Brandon Stokely a little later on in the show, but the hangover from blowing a lead like that seems like the worst time to grab your Thursday-nighter. Like, to not have enough... And maybe it'll work in their favor. Maybe Brandon Stokely will say to us, the best thing to do is get right back out in the field and atone for your sins. But to me, this feels like the worst short week ever because you're still (laughs) reeling from not only blowing a 13 point lead with under two minutes left that should have been a 14 point Mm -hmm. lead but a guy missed an extra point but to do it against the New York Jets to have Joe Flacco and the New York Jets make you eat it with a knife and fork and have Gary V yelling receipts because of that dude right there That has gotta hurt. I don't know how they bounce back this quickly, though I think it'll start with Nick Chubb.
3: Yeah, well, Nick Chubb said, you know, I should have gone down, should have ran out
2: the clock, and That's horse bleep. I know they have He's just taking he's taking the bullet, right? Right. For the team, like, listen, here's the situation. Two-minute warning, Jets have no timeouts, and he scores what is the touchdown that gets him up 13. You have to hit the extra point. They hit the extra point. There's no way they lose. the The worst case scenario is that they tie it up, and the odds of that we learned a little bit later were like 99 percent. <laughs> at at yeah. very least, it was yeah. over 2,000. Yeah, like the number of teams that held a lead with that little time left, and that number 13 or more was like 2,299. Yeah. Right? It was over 99%. He just took one for the team. I'm saying today, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, watch out Steelers' defense because he, 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 might, he might win the rushing title. They're getting healthier at offensive line in yep. Cleveland. He might win the rushing
3: title this year. Yeah, he's, he's, he's that good. And right. no T.J. Watt tonight either, obviously, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that
2: helps his cause. Still with the peck injury. Yes. The peck injury. That, yeah. The real question is, how long do they stick with Mitch Trubisky? We'll ask Brandon Stokely, nice, Stokely a little later on. Still to come, as mentioned, Brandon Stokely will join us to see you the Thursday night of James Sharman, ahead of Canada's World Cup, tune-ups with Qatar and Uruguay. Plus, Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman ahead of their 32 Thoughts, the podcast tour. And after the break, Joe Siddles' soft spot. We continue to tee up a massive Jays and Rays four-game series at the Little Trop of Horrors. It's Tim and Friends on Friday, Junior, a.k.a. Thursday.
0: A bouncer. It's a center field. Celebration! Woo!
5: In my position, I don't view myself as any different. In fact, I believe I have to be held the most accountable.
8: That's not making the playoffs isn't good enough. we got to go and do it now. I
2: mean, there's no more excuses. This idea of winning the summer is a load of crap, I think.
8: You try to win in the winter.
3: Jonathan David.
0: It has been a real rough start for Nathaniel Hackett.
2: Welcome back, friends. Counting down to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet, which once again comes your way 6 p.m. Eastern. Note the special start time 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, followed by the Jays and Rays. Opener of a four game series at the Little Trop of Horrors, as it is for the Toronto Blue Jays. First pitch will fly 640 Eastern which means our number two Tim and friends can be seen exclusively on, exclusively on Sportsnet 360. Jose Barrios gets the ball in the opener for the Jays. He's been much better of late 295 ERA in his past six starts while the Rays will go with an opener in J.T. Chagua Brian right. Yarbrough who always seems to lock big innings against the Jays will get the bulk of the work after Chaguay. Chaguay. It's nice to say, at it, least. Wonderful name. You know he's from Louisiana. Yeah. The name like Chaguay. Yeah. All right, here's a lineup that will face Chugua, Usual top three Alejandro Kirk will DH and clean up. Matt Chapman bats fifth, followed by Teoscar Hernandez. Danny Jansen catches with Merrifield to start left. Gavin Vigio at second, batting ninth. Santiago Espinal left last night's game and had an MRI a short time ago. They are still awaiting results. Here's John Schneider on the massive four-game series with the Reds. Every series is big, and I think that um, this is another big one for
0: sure. And the goal is to, you know, win the series like it is all year and every series. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, magnified and um, a team that we're familiar with and that's um, fighting for the same thing. So it'll be a fun weekend.
2: It is going to be a fun weekend. Blue Jay Central gets uh, going at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, as I mentioned, and Joe Siddle will be the co-host of Blue Jay Central. He joins me now uh, from the set. What's going on, Joe? How are you, man? Jimmy, how we doing? I, I am good. I am. I- I'm going to bring up a conversation that Jesse and I had in the opening segment, and I want you to to arbitrate our little disagreement here. I was I was a tad bit concerned, Joe, that in the final game against the Rays at home, chance to kind of. Uh, maybe get a little breathing room, they lose that game. Against the Orioles, they had the chance to sweep, playing good baseball, weren't able to close that one out, and I felt like yesterday was a missed opportunity once again for the Jays. Is this concerning to you at all, or the fact that they are winning the other games alleviates that concern for you?
5: Well, yeah, you're sounding like a fan now, Tim. You can't win all the games, you know, it's Mm -hmm. pretty hard to go 162-0, but when you put yourself in a good position like the Blue Jays did last night, you feel great about it and when you're set up man in Garcia and then your closer Romano come in in a second time in a row and blow a save those things aren't supposed to happen but guess what it's baseball it's 162 they do happen and now for the Blue Jays this bullpen that had been awfully good has turned into a bit of a little hot mess so they're going to have to correct this maybe this is one of those blips that they go through before they gear up for the end run here in the postseason ride into October but uh, they've got to be better. And I think with, with Jimmy, I think Garcia just, it seemed like a couple of those hits toward the end of the bat, little bloopers. And, uh, you know, he did give up the home run to rumuto to begin with. But with Jordan, it goes back to that pitch usage. And I, I think, too, with Romano, he's been so darn good. And I myself have a difficult time questioning what he does. Look at the results and look at what he has done. But as a catcher, I can't help myself but to watch and think, how do you keep doing this? Because there are just too many good hitters in this league, and Kyle Schwarber's one of them. And I don't mm-hmm. care where the slider is, if it's up and away or down and in, as a hitter, you're tracking those pitches, you're tracking the spin, you're tracking the velocity. I just never like throwing three, four, or five of the same pitches to a good hitter like that. They just track it too well, and sure enough, he made them pay. Uh, Jesse is grinning ear to ear. He is very happy with that answer there. I,
2: I, the only question I have, and I, I'm the king of patience over 162. I'm the king of the ebb and the flow, and we understand are. that it's 162. It's confirmed. I, just, I wonder if some of this momentum, like this is the time when you need great teams, not good teams, not really good teams, great teams when they have their opportunities to step on a throat joe they step on the throat and i wonder if that's part of a learning process does that make any more sense and make my argument any more better you can say no
5: it makes sense tim (laughs) but again i go back to the fact that You want to get clutch, you want to come up at big times, and all that will happen in October, or that at least is the plan. Because we know just getting to the tournament in October, it's, it's just randomness once you get into the postseason and that whole month of baseball and the team that kind of has a lot of good things going for them is going to go deep into October so right now again it's part of this six month process if it was that easy and if you never blew a save there'd be teams like the Blue Jays with 100 wins already like it just doesn't happen that way and that is why I think you see so many teams kind of going at it and here we are looking at the Blue Jays down at Tropicana Field today two teams going at it if you'd have told me that this was going to be the Blue Jays position at this point in the season when they go down to the trap I'd be like wow they're ahead of the Rays very interesting a little surprising I would actually say so they're in a pretty good spot i don't i don't okay. want to say that you know they it's all set and they're they're straight going to the postseason but i think you feel pretty good about that right the next well the first goal is to get there but the next goal is wow if they could secure home field because i don't think right. anyone wants to go down to the trop or go out to seattle for a three game series no i'm i'm with you on that and i was treating
2: it more like a little dress rehearsal here uh, for when you get to that time that matters the most and one of those decisions last night uh, Anthony bass we just heard from John Schneider who said uh, that bass is fine and ready to go and uh, seems to be uh, probably likely to appear in tonight are you surprised we didn't see him last night
5: I'm very surprised that we didn't see him last night and you look at the situation there in the 10th when Simber came in and I see a couple lefties were due up and you think maybe they're going to bunt a runner over, be in the home team, just need the one run. But Simber is better against left-handed batters. He's got the reverse splits, but it's too bad if you're talking about Anthony Bash, your main trade deadline acquisition in terms of relief help. And he's a righty specialist now? Apparently he's a righty specialist now. So I just don't like it. I don't like the, the number of balls that are put in play off of Simber and we saw exactly how that game ended wouldn't you know it was simber on the mound it's a ball in play and it's chopped over the infield and the game is over i'll take anthony bass any day of the week in that situation with the game on the line righty lefty ambidextrous i don't care he's got the wipeout <laughs> stuff the stuff is just better and i've always had the i've always held the thought that i lose that game i use my best guys and i don't think the best guys were used if anthony bass was available
2: last night pat van diddy not available out of the bullpen anymore so we can't go ambidextrous (laughs) anymore uh all right so one of the other questions or one of the other arguments at least on twitter
5: last night do you blame bradley zimmer for leaning a little too far off the second base normally i would tim but i have played this game and did it for a long time and what people don't understand is that It's the human movement. When you're getting your secondary lead, you are going to just go a little serious secondary lead. It was just a little bit of a quarter shuffle there. That's human nature. That's reacting in the moment. Now, if he had another shuffle or two or pulled a Bryce Harper then we'd say that's terrible base running but I don't think so I I know it's easy to look at and criticize but if that ball is hit anywhere else maybe even if it's hit a foot or two toward first base he's not doubled off I it's not he wasn't perfect but I really have a hard time in that situation blaming Zimmer for that because if that's me or any other base runner you will see nine times out of no 99 times out of 100 that momentum just takes you a little bit further and I know you're just you don't mean as much but you do you're not just trying to score one run it's the top of the inning but you certainly don't want to get doubled off I thought it was just unfortunate circumstance for Zimmer yeah
2: I agree with you there and for those who don't know when the pitcher releases the pitch you're supposed to take a secondary lead you take your lead off pitcher gets into his windup, starts to play get that nice secondary lead and that's what Joe's referring to there hey uh... Vladimir Guerrero junior starting to warm up a
5: bit here you start to see different
2: things from I mean that was an absolute bomb last night
5: It was an absolute bomb, and I'd love to say so, Tim, but I came on uh, the other day again and did another little segment on Vladdy, and, I mean, it's just what he can do when he's not at his best that I think impresses us all and scares us all into what he could be, and we saw it last year, but I think with him... He got to a point, he, he had a lot of bad swings last night before that home run. I didn't think he looked good at all. In fact, he was looking a lot like we had been seeing, and that's not the good swing mechanics that we've seen from Vladi. Mm. It looked to me like he went up there, and I know as hitters, sometimes you get so fed up and frustrated, you just say, blank this, I'm going to go <laughs> up there, look for a fastball middle in, and just tee off on it. When you do that, you become very aggressive, and you're, maybe you're timing locked in, and you saw he clearly caught that ball out front that was the classic Vladdy swing that we saw a lot last year now was it a one-off i think a little bit because when your timing is just right that's what he can do we just saw it a lot more often so it's the inconsistencies that we're seeing from him he's always got that club in his bag he can do that at any given time it's just that we haven't seen it a whole lot and then sure enough after the home run we saw him roll one over again because if you're doing that you're going to be very susceptible to other pitches and when vladi was an mvp candidate last year he was handling everything yeah
2: so good that he can be off his game according to joe siddle and still have the 14 game hitting streak and hitting Crazy. over 300 in those 14 games all right uh, you know we play this game super stat or meaningless number <laughs> because stats are like swimsuit models they show a lot but they don't show everyone everything Superstat or meaningless number? The Jays are five and seventeen with Whit Merrifield in the starting lineup. Twenty-one and two when he's not in the starting lineup. They've won fifteen straight when he's not in the starting lineup. Is that a superstat or a meaningless number?
5: I'll have to go meaningless number because if I was playing like that. And when I'm in the lineup, you put a number like that, I'd say you're full of it because there's just too many random variables that can go into when a team wins and loses. I'd have to break down each of those losses when Whit Merrifield was in there and find out why and how I can attribute it to him. So, no, I see that as fairly meaningless there are crazy numbers like that that we love to dive into in all sports and uh, baseball is another one and as a catcher you know you look at like a catcher's ERA or a team's record with a catcher behind the plate and of course he's got a lot more control of the game so you could attribute a little bit more weight to those types of numbers but in terms of Whit Merrifield's case I don't think so and I think it's easy to pick on that right now because you know as another trade deadline acquisition he's just been kind of that he's not the same Whit Merrifield that he once was and that's too bad because he was a very good hitter at one point what about these Rays?
2: Um, <laughs> it, it seemed like this was going to be another one of those Rays seasons, and you don't want to face them in the postseason. This is a really good ball club that finds ways to win. Of late, uh, like that Houston series against a good team, you heard some uh, some whispers of an altercation outside. It, it, is there some concern around Tampa?
5: I don't know what's going on inside that clubhouse or in that parking lot outside <laughs> Tropicana Field, <laughs> Tim, but. I um, I'm I'm always a little concerned with the Rays because they pitch and Kevin Cash has just got those puppet strings going and he's got all kinds of arms and sometimes we've never heard who they are or where they came from but they're good and they probably throw 96 to 98 with a really good slider and he's just it just seems like an endless supply of arms and just look at the Blue Jays against Rays pitching it's a struggle this one the best offenses in baseball but it's pretty tough against Rays pitching and they're going to be at it for four more days this weekend and it's it's just one of those things where good pitching can neutralize good hitting and as we know we've seen the blue jays lineup tamed at times but kevin cash and i I give credit to his pitching coach and his analytics department the way they attack blue jays hitters they it must just be an unbelievable homework room where they gather and go over Blue Jays hitters I'd love to be a fly in the room when that goes on but uh, they do a pretty good job of it and that's what concerns me about your high-powered lineup of the Blue Jays face and raised pitching never easy I gotta win three or four to win the tiebreaker in the season series although you could just stay ahead of them
2: and then the tiebreaker doesn't play uh, Joe Siddle always great talking baseball with you even when you when you agree with Jesse I, I still love talking baseball with <laughs> you
5: you're okay, too, Jess. Thanks, guys.
2: <laughs> there is uh, Joe Siddle. He will have uh, Blue Jay Central coming your way in about 15 minutes from now. But it'll be Joe and Hazel, mm. Jesse, on Blue Jay Central tonight. Some big news, however, for the regular Blue Jay Central host, Jamie Campbell, who has won the President's Award from the Sports Media Canada. That's right, kids. President's Award. Jamie will be honored in November for excellence in journalism and beyond. Congrats to our boy, Jamie Campbell. All right, kids, time for a break. We will check in on some afternoon baseball action, including the Mariners in action in Oakland. They couldn't lose to Oakland again, could they? Plus, we'll get to the booth, but and tabby next right here on Tim and friends as we get you set for an all-important four-game series in Tampa counting down to the Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Rays they're playing four games in Tampa this weekend with a lot on the line speaking of a lot on the line some afternoon action in the majors today Jays fans keeping an eye on the Mariners who sit. Two and a half games back of the Jays in the wild card race heading in shockingly it lost five of our past six against the lowly Angels and Oakland A's mm-hmm. taking on the A's today early going looks good for the Mariners this is Julio Rodriguez down the line he's in the second 21st excuse me 24th double of the season next bat Mitch Hanniger you Hanniger it he Hanniger is it something like that it scored two to lead 3 nothing after one however bottom of the frame Rodriguez lower back tightness recurring injury he leaves the game and that seems to change things bottom three A's down 3 nothing bases loaded George Kirby facing Stephen Vaughn first pitch swinging down the line bases clearing double we're tied at 3 3 batters later Shane Langoliers he drives one deep and off the wall Another one scores, make it 5-3, right now 5-4, as they play late in this one. They lose this, they'd be three back of Toronto, and just three and a half up on the O's. Crazy if they lost six to seven to the Angels and a's. Meanwhile, Cardinals and Padres bottle the first jerks in Profar, his 15th. If it's fair, it's gone, it's fair, it's gone. 1-0 San Diego. Pujols continuing his... Pursuit of 700 home runs. First at bat, Albert Pujols crushes it. Doesn't have a launch angle. One hops the wall, and Pujols ends up with a base hit because he can no longer run, and would be stranded there. Although he hit it there. Right now, it is top of the sixth inning. Padres leading three-one. Crazy though, I mean, it's a 5 4 game right now, so it's not as if it's done, but amazing if those Mariners, I mean, is, is that now turn into the team that you want to play if they're struggling this much down the stretch, or is it always about matchups and who you want to face? I think it's avoid the raise at all costs,
3: honestly. I guess, obviously You,
2: producer Thomas Dobby, yeah. a lo- it's just,
3: is it the past? It's the past. It's the past. It's the record. We we talked about it in First Things First, how historically it's one of the worst stadiums in franchise history yeah, that the they one, play in. The one Seattle plays in is worse. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not ideal. I just – there's something about this team that drives Jays fans insane. Because they pitch. They, they pitch. Yeah, and they and frustrate their offense, you. This, their offense is not good. Like this year, their offense is nope. not good. They're not scoring. But for whatever reason – They shut you down, and it just becomes infuriating. And I feel like they're just a team that sneaks in there. They don't get a lot of attention. They're the Tampa Bay Rays. They play in Tampa Bay. Not a lot of people go to their games, yet somehow, someway, they're always winning. And they're plucking guys out from anywhere, triple A, double A, single A, bring them up, 99, sliders, like Joe was saying. It's just scary and the, neither team is playing well right now so i'd take the mariners yeah, over the
2: reds I, I feel like it's a psychological thing because listen they just played a good team and got their rear end handed to them mm-hmm. right yeah, like, they're they just not played playing well. the Astros, mm-hmm. they got swept they're fighting in the parking lot like there's things going on here that would lead you to believe that the jays should be able to handle them but i get it it's almost like baseball ptsd where you're yeah. just you've you've you know you've post concussion syndrome you've been hit so many times in the face that you're worried about this team that i think that you should beat. Right, and it, it's a good point, and I wonder if the
3: players feel the same as we feel and as the fans feel, because I think this is a pretty consistent take with Blue Jays fans out there. I don't think anybody wants to play the Rays, but not all of the players have historically had brutal a brutal time against Tampa Bay yeah. Rays, right? So if they're in the clubhouse, they could very well think much differently about matching up with the Rays than we do. They might actually want to play the Rays.
2: Uh, I hope we weren't counting our chickens before they hatch. Uh, Way to go. The Seattle Mariners have just tied up the game in the top of the six. It is 5-5. That game is available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet now as we take a live look. Well, five five top of the six man on second one out now so they're hot old. this is far from over it is the oakland a's we're not going to act like we're mush or something like that jesse i will not do that there's no way that us sitting yeah. in the studio in toronto important. could affect a game in oakland going on between professional baseball players. yeah i'm not that guy i'm sorry uh, that, fair enough don't give me the bob nightingale um
3: We We were having the the conversation earlier about
2: the the killer
3: instinct. I just want to get to some feedback that we had quickly. Uh, With the Jays? With the Jays, yeah. 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 And we obviously had the conversation, and then Joe uh, piped in with his opinion. Let's get some of the friends of the show's opinion as well. So uh, Jeff writes in and says, Every time I feel good about the Jays, we get a little Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were, implying that uh, things tend to go wrong whenever you feel bad about the Jays. Doug writes in and says, The Jays are a group of nice guys having fun. I agree, they don't have killer instinct. Last night wouldn't happen if they had killer instinct now looking at past performance is for losers. It's what you do at the time you need to length of season, no all play the same, get better. I think is what he tried to say there, but the point is he doesn't think that they have a
2: killer instinct similar to you yeah i, I don't uh I think you're putting a little words in my mouth without the killer instinct I think <laughs> that's that, clarify that that's fine no, I think that what they struggle with is when they have those opportunities taking care of those opportunities because when you get into the postseason you don't get a lot of them. It's a learning process. It's a young team that has to get there. I think that's the difference. I don't know if we can determine whether or not they do. I just have concern that they may not be showing that right now. But as Joe said he doesn't think it matters in 162 so long as you qualify for the tournament. Let's see if they
3: can do it in the series.
2: All right, we will see if they can do it not only in the series but to close out the season. There are some big games down the pipe. it all starts right now. Time to send it to Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet. Hazel May and Joe Siddle standing by. As for us, we'll continue our number two on Sportsnet 360. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Freeman, James Sharman, Brandon Stokely, all dropping by. Jays on Sportsnet, us on 360.
0: Sports Talk with Jim McAuliffe and
2: friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs, back here. Hour number two, Sportsnet 360. Glad you came along for the ride. We've got Brandon Stokely, James Sharman, and 32 Thoughts podcast on the road with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman popping by momentarily. That's right, kids. Hockey is back and we've got reporters with all seven Canadian teams. So let's put them to work with a little NHL whip around starting with Ryan Leslie in Calgary after a wild off season for the Flames. Ryan, I'll take it away.
7: Tim, yes, day 1 in the books for the Calgary Flames and all of the hyperboil and talk has to be about the lines. Why wouldn't it be on day one? And you saw a new flame of Jonathan Uberdo on a line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Maybe no surprise there. Expect to see that for much of the season, but I think the talk had to have been about the second line, and that was Nazem Kadri playing with the uh, hair line mates. Cody Eakin with that long red flow here on a PTO, and Sonny Milano with somewhat of a perm there. That was great to see. Those three were buzzing around, getting uh, an opportunity to play together, and you have to wonder about Sonny Milano. What an opportunity it is for He said, hey, I definitely have something to prove here trying to make this club. Uh, The other talk had to have been back on that blue line, and that was a positive sign, seeing Chris Tanev out there. Of course, he had uh, shoulder surgery this offseason, right on timeline, but still a pleasant surprise to see him back there. And he was playing alongside Mackenzie Wieger, the other former Panther, making his Flames debut of sorts here. He uh, and Wieger were together back there, and expect to see those two as Calgary's perhaps their number one shutdown pair. Daryl Sutter likes what he sees, knowing that Chris Tanev can play with just about anybody. And certainly Mackenzie Weger fits the bill of a all-round hybrid defenseman as well. So Andrew Mangiapane, not with the club, but he could be a second-liner uh, this season. He has uh, tweaked something in the summer, still on a day-to-day situation. And, and Oliver Shillington dealing with a personal matter back home. So that's the scene here in Calgary. We now hand things off to Gene Principe in Edmonton.
5: Ryan, there's a lot of excitement in Edmonton after the Oilers made it to the conference final last season before eventually bowing out to the Stanley Cup champions from Colorado. Now, as Edmonton gets set for training camp, the two leading forces for this hockey club continue to be Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. But as an organization, the Oilers know they need more than just their dynamic duo. This past summer, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager Ken Holland was able to retain Evander Kane, but also able to add netminder Jack Campbell after a solid stint with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, the question going into training camp and this season is that there are high expectations for the Edmonton Oilers. Can they meet those expectations? The Oilers think that they can. Now with the story from Vancouver, here's Dan Murphy. Gene, thank you. First day of on ice sessions for the Canucks here in beautiful Whistler, British Columbia, and people very interested to see what Boudreaux was going to do with his forward lines considering the offseason pickups. The two new Russians, Kuzmenko, Makayev, centered by Elias Pettersson. Meanwhile, Miller was between Pearson and Besser. Those three did play some games together last season. The other line in the top nine, Horvat alongside Garland and Pod Colson. Of note on defense, the Canucks' top left handed defenseman, Quinn Hughes, moved to the right side, playing on the top pair with Oliver Ekman Larson. Boudreaux saying he is going to experiment with Hughes on the right side in training camp and the preseason. Now let's check in on the Jets. Here is Sean Reynolds.
8: Thank you, Murph. Here in Winnipeg, so many storylines, but they all come down to one thing, and that's new head coach Rick Bonus, who's been given the task of turning around a franchise that's been trending in the wrong direction for a number of years. now. He thinks he can do it because of the talent level on this team and of course he's talking about players like Kyle Connor who had 93 points last season. Mark Shifley who remains a point per game player and Connor Hellebuck who is still in the conversation as one of the best goalies in the league. But all that individual success hasn't translated to team success in the years past and that has a lot to do with their defensive game. So... That becomes job one for Rick Bonus, who started today in this training camp, trying to convince his team that keeping the puck out of their own net is just as important as the offense that seems to come so easy to so many of these players. For the story on the Leafs, let's send it to Sean McKenzie
7: in Toronto. With Maple Leafs training camp officially underway, one of the most intriguing storylines is not about who was on the ice, but about who wasn't. Specifically, Rasmus Sandin, who continues to negotiate a new contract. His absence even more significant, considering that Jake Muzzin did not skate on Thursday and is listed day-to-day with back discomfort. Also absent, Pierre Engvall, who's expected to miss most of training camp, and Timothy Lilligren, who will be out until mid-November after a hernia surgery. Now, let's send it to Kyle Bukowskis. Well, Sean, here in the nation's capital, there's a level of excitement around the Senators we haven't seen since their run to the conference final back in 2017. Some players not afraid to say playoffs is the expectation for this year. No question they have a lot more firepower up front with the offseason additions of Claude Giroux and Alex DeBrincat. But the question remains just how will their blue line look come opening night? Jake Sanderson is in the fold now. Lots of hype but he's just 20 years old entering his rookie campaign. DJ Smith maintains simply the best six will play when the regular season gets underway. Travis Hamannick for his part added, it feels like there are a number of spots for grabs, both in who will play and how guys will slot in on the back end. Eric Engels, over to you.
1: Thanks Kyle. A few big surprises here on day one of Montreal Canadiens camp and none of them were on the ice. Nick Suzuki, the new minted captain of the team, is going to miss the next two weeks with a lower body injury. It's upper body injuries for Josh Anderson and Jake Evans, their day-to-day. And the big surprise was Joel Edmondson, who was limited to just 24 games last season with a back injury. He is reported to camp with a lower body injury and is considered out indefinitely. We'll have some more news on that as the week progresses. The Canadians just did some conditioning today. They're going to be scrimmaging tomorrow through the weekend. And we're all eager to see where Uri Slavkovsky is going to line up for this team. Back to you, Tim.
2: Ah, uh, yes, hockey is on the horizon. That also means the return of 32 Thoughts, the podcast with my homeboys, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Freeman. but not just any return. No, the boys are headed out on the road to swap stories with all of you as 32 Thoughts, the live tour, kicks off in London tonight. Uh, you can get more information online at 32tour.com, hosted by Boston Pizza or... We could just talk to the two luscious cupcakes hosting the entire thing, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The stars of
6: 32 Thoughts, the podcast, Chef Merrick
2: and Elliot here. Fellas, what's going
6: on? Elliot. Have you ever been referred to as a cupcake before? Tim just called us a couple of luscious cupcakes. I've definitely not been referred to as a cupcake, and definitely not a luscious cupcake. <laughs> a
4: by a the way, round. Tim, <laughs> yes, that's the greatest university city in Canada. Right, London,
2: Yeah, I Second understand. Only I,
6: Guelph, but we'll proceed.
2: I once, Jeff Merrick, followed Elliot Friedman behind the homecoming parade in London, and I believe, for each, correct me if I'm wrong, convertible Sebring. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know I, I have to tell you tim so i was uh, i was up here a couple of weeks ago for uh, a friend's family's party and i went to the seeps for 10 minutes and i was like i have to get out of here i'm way too old for this crowd i have to leave this
6: place <laughs> understood like a, a narc at a biker rally trying to trying to get some <laughs> reclaimed glory from back in the old western years uh, you've aged Ellie, and-
2: yeah. Hello there, fellow kids. Hello there, (laughs) fellow kids. Uh, This is a lot of work. I know you guys (laughs) are pretty much
4: what it was. Yeah,
2: bounce around, but a lot of fun. I hear London already sold out, Kingston, Hamilton too. Folks can still find some tickets online again, 32tour.com. That's number, 32tour.com. Any treats along the road, gentlemen?
6: No, I think actually there's about a dozen or so tickets remaining for Friday's show in Markham. And Ron McLean's going to be there and Glenn Healy's going to be there as well. Uh, tonight in London, we're doing kind of a, well, we're doing Christine Simpson and the hockey dads. Mm-hmm. So it's Bo Horvat's dad, it's Nick Suzuki's dad, it's Drew Doughty's dad, all people that live in London and, and in the area. Uh, I think we've got Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey on is one of these. No, coming up. Dad. I believe Anthony he's in, Stewart in Kingston. Anthony
4: Stewart in uh, Kingston, uh, a hockey dad to a lot of people. Anthony <laughs> yeah. Stewart. And tonight, because this is a this is a regular podcast night, Tim. We're going to do our live for fr- our podcast for Friday. will be done live here as part of this one too. So, uh, you know, we're we're excited. We're flattered and we're excited.
2: Awesome. What, what where'd the idea come from, Jeff?
6: I think this one came from Amel. I think it was honestly, it was a conference. So before and after every podcast, when we're, I mean, Elliot's at his place, Amel's at his place, and I'm at my place. And we sort of just throw it around ideas. And I think Amel just kind of said, hey, what do you guys think about the idea of taking this thing on tour? And the one thing that we've found recently is both of us and Amel and I, I think everybody involved in the property here, too, just kind of misses being around people. Yes. Yeah. And being around a room full of people that are, I mean, you feel it, right, Tim? Yep. Like, you go to play, it's just nice to be out. You know, I was hosting a a gala in Stouffville where I live on Saturday in this room full of, like, 300 people. Like, it's really nice to be around people once again. So I think, you know, I'm like Elliot, any chance we got to, get out on the road, our spouses are happy to usher us out the door after being home all summer long. Uh, We'll take it, because it's just great to be around people again.
4: Yeah, and and, you know, it's it's funny, like, you know, I want to say thank you to everybody who's uh, purchased a ticket and to anyone who will still do so. Um, When my friends and family found out about this, they were like, we wouldn't buy tickets to see you so we don't (laughs) understand why anybody would uh so you know like it's it's but i I agree with jeff um you know and the other thing too is like uh um you know unfortunately there's going to be no hometown hockey this year and i thought that show did an unbelievable job of getting into the communities and representing the 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 great people of of And if on a much smaller level, we can do that, too, go into some communities and represent Sportsnet, I think we're really happy to do that.
2: All right. I know they're all at Boston Pizzas. Uh, Pizza's pretty good. Burgers are pretty good. But, Elliot, I know you're all about healthy living. The chicken pecan salad is pretty damn good. So I just wanted to throw that out there for
6: you. Ooh. You that tonight, I will Preach? definitely
2: eat the chicken pecan salad. I
6: think
4: Mary's going to have a head of lettuce. That's all he <laughs> eats anyway. So, hey, uh, I wish uh, I, had, so I had a head che-
3: of lettuce. But you know
6: you got to have wings. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hey, that's pretty Timmy, good Tim. as, that's as, really as good.
6: someone mentioned to me on my flight uh, uh on my flight this weekend uh, a couple of days ago coming back from ottawa yeah uh, god only made a few perfect heads the other ones he covered up with hair which <laughs> I, thought was really good <laughs> I gotta steal that one all right
2: I, I know you guys are having uh some whole grain goodness along the way traveling road show uh ottawa henderson how is vegas and media day i know you got a few interviews there uh what jumped out to you jeff
6: from Vegas yeah just how relaxed the guys were just how relaxed the hockey players were how how giving they were and that's the one person that released it out for me and I've had this comment from a couple of people both in the NHL and, and fans alike as well is how much different Nathan McKinnon sounds yes like he's still a really intense guy we all know about game seven Nathan McKinnon but, you know, we interviewed him almost exactly one year prior to the, to the Vegas experience, and he wanted to shut down the entire conversation about his accomplishments. He, in his mind, he had achieved nothing. He kept deferring to players like Crosby and what they've done. And now that him and the Colorado Avalanche, and he has a nice, healthy contract as a reward for it as well, now that the Avalanche have actually won a Stanley Cup, it seems as if he's been sort of unburdened and he's a lot more i mean he's still an intense guy but he's a lot more relaxed he's a lot more conversational he's always been a really honest person i've found an honest person to interview fridge um but he just sounds so much more different like this like this you know 500 pound piano has been lifted off of his back that was that was one of the things that really stood out for me i mean mcdavid was was uh was engaging as well um i thought that quinn hughes uh, was exceptional but to me the uh, the interview we did with Nathan McKinnon to me that was a, a, a different Nathan McKinnon that's that's coming into this season. Having said that he was still the first guy on the ice for the avalanche this morning so he's still <laughs> Mr. Intensity in game seven. I I
4: think Crosby saying disputing that he was only top ten drunkest and <laughs> yeah. deserved to be yeah. listed in the top five that's at good. McKinnon Stanley Cup party. I think that's what really stood out for me.
2: It's funny. I- We did uh, Sidney Crosby uh, talk to him in Chicago when we did the the media day tour and I saw you guys talking to him too and he gets accused of being like the typical hockey guy shut everything down no personality but when you're in that setting you get a different guy don't you.
4: Well I think the thing is like you know we're lucky uh, Tim in the sense that you know being at hockey like being at hockey night now for for 20 years Mm. you know he's seen a lot of us. Right. And I think that the one thing about Crosby is I think that, uh, you know, when, when he kind of knows you a little bit or he's been around, like if you watch him do interviews with the Penguins broadcast team, he's very comfortable with them and he get, and he moves the line of what he's willing to give with the people on the Penguins broadcast probably more than anybody else or the people around the Penguins more than anybody else. But, you know, for the people who've kind of been around a little bit, he, he does move that line a bit and and we were lucky in that moment i I think obviously he's a lot more comfortable in his own skin at 35 than he was at 18 with everything he's accomplished i don't think he's any less hungry than he was but I, i think sometimes you're just in situations where if he knows the face or he's kind of been around certain people um he'll never give away too much but he's willing to give a little more including how
6: you know hammered he was at mckinnon's party <laughs> let, let me let me follow up on that really really quickly and oh by the way do you know what his name for me was when colby armstrong first started working with us what's that colby's like yeah i'm working with jeff merrick and he goes oh the iDesk guy that was still see. his name for the eye I- yeah. but anyway further to that point you know what i wonder about sam with Sidney crosby and elliot just mentioned this he's 35 years old now yeah like i wonder how many of these pittsburgh players pe- right. play uh, players right now are saying this is my last contract and I don't think anyone's trying to wrap up Sidney Crosby's career. He's going to play for as long as Sidney Crosby wants to play. But I wonder if you know Malkin re-ups, Latang re-ups, Rust re-ups, uh, Crosby still got three more years. And I wonder if he's saying like I'm not get, I'm not close to the clubhouse, but I can see it now. Right. And that can't help but change your personality, Tim. I think even just a little bit. Yeah, you know,
4: Tim, what I was too chicken to point out. You know, I was too chicken to point out in Vegas. Crosby's got Crosby's got gray hairs now. <laughs>
2: All right. That's a pot calling call the kettle black. I would not walk down that road, but yes, he is he has become an elder I know, statesman I do too. in the league, without a doubt. All right. Yeah, but, but I, I fifty two. Like I should have gray hairs. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we go, on Tim and Friends, we are going to help the fans of the 32 Thoughts of Podcast see you guys live in action. For each stop, we're going to reveal a trivia question on our show, which we'll tweet out, and a winner will be picked mm. out at random. Must be available to get themselves to the live pod at the Boston Pizza location. Travel and accommodation will not be provided. Frankly, I don't make that kind of money. But... We will get you tickets. Uh, We (laughs) tweeted out the first trivia question, and we got a winner. Jane Barada from London has been notified and is headed to the Boston Pizza right now. Jeff, I hear we have a trivia question for today. What is trivia question number two?
6: Okay. So stop number two is in Markham, and the, uh, the OJHL team in Markham is the Royals. Here's the question. Which NHLers... Family owns the Markham Royals. Which team, which family owns and operates the Markham Royals of the OJHL? Is it Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks? Is it Zach Hyman of the Edmonton Oilers? Or is it Mark Scheifele of the Winnipeg Jets? It's not the Sutters. Which, it's not the, there's your clue. It's not the Sutters from (laughs) Viking, Alberta. It is not. Which one of those three, which one of those three's family? Owns and runs the Markham Royals of the OJHL. All
2: right, we'll, we'll tweet that out. You can send your answers at Tim and Friends for your chance to win again. They are headed to Markham, Ontario, next. Hey, boys, have fun on the roadie. Uh, say hi to the real star of this, Amal Delich, for me, and uh, enjoy the uh, the adopted hometown, Elliot of London, Ontario, home of the Western Mustangs.
4: Can't wait, Tim. Very excited. Thank you,
2: Bud. Anytime, Free Merrick, joining the crew. Love it, and you can see him live if you are in seven different areas. Time for a break when we come back. Canada's men's soccer team, two friendlies in the next week as they prepare for their first World Cup since 86. I'm a little jacked, to be honest. Yeah, you know, it's starting a hot NBA around the corner, MLB playoffs. And a World Cup coming up, kids, and Canada's men's soccer team is preparing with tune-ups against Qatar tomorrow in Austria, and Tuesday against Uruguay in Slovakia. This is the final international window before November in the World Cup. John Herbin saying today that Junior Hoyler will captain Canada tomorrow in the absence of Hatiba Hutchinson who is hurt. Meantime, Canada's first two opponents at the World Cup, Croatia, Belgium, both in action earlier today mm. in Nations League. So let's have a look. And Belgium looking good early, 10 minutes in. Mishi Bashaway, Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know if you know this, but De Bruyne, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. 25th international goal, bottom corner 1 0 Belgium. Later in the half, De Bruyne returns the favor. And this time it's the Fenerbaché man. Bashaway taps it in, it's 2 0 Belgium. Now in the 64th minute, it's 2-1. Gareth Bale did not start. Subs on. Moments later, Daniel James looking for Bale. Finding Bale! Sails over the net. Belgium holds on. 2-1 the final. Unnecessary drama at the end. All right, let's go to Croatia, who took on Denmark today. 49th minute Croatia into the area. Denmark tank here. Borna Sosa just steps up. Slots, first ever international goal, it's a nice one, one oh, nil. 77th minute, visitors have a response with the miracle man. Which of the three are going to come off? Here
0: is Ericsson, oh from nothing, he produces an absolute beauty of a finish,
2: there are magic in those boots. Christian Eriksen, almost as if the keeper didn't believe it. We're tied at 179th minute. Croatia counters. Lavro Meyer subbed in after the Eriksen goal. And he beats Kasper Schmeichel. It's 2-1 Croatia. And look at the pass. That is that is intimidating right there. LeBron esque. LeBron esque and or Favabines esque. 2-1 the final. Croatia. So both Belgium and Croatia winners in Nations League does not bode well for Canada. A couple other things don't bode well for Canada right now. And we're gonna talk about them with James Sharman, he of the Footy Prime podcast, joining me now from the palatial estates that are the Sharman estates in the Greater Toronto area. What's going on, James? You
1: shouldn't be showing those those highlights <laughs>
2: what? to people. This is, we're just giving them information. It's facts. No James. There's
1: no need for that, Timmy. There's no <laughs> need for that. Right? why, why ruin the vibes right
2: now okay I then then I shouldn't ask about Jonathan Osorio Atiba Hutchison and (laughs) Tejan Buchanan
1: hey they could be better off not playing in the World Cup at this point I mean if you see the way Belgium's playing right now in Croatia Morocco is a good team too right but I mean Mm -hmm. all all joking aside it's in Belgium you're seeing Eden Hazard getting healthy and playing minutes for, for Real Madrid once again that's terrifying for Canada you saw De Bruyne there, maybe the best player in world football right now. Um, Lukaku wasn't even playing. Berkshawai right. is he, number two. He's great. So, yeah, listen, it's, it's going to be the World Cup. It's going to be fun. But, uh, yeah, if, if I'm a Canadian player, it's probably best not to watch too many highlights, even though <laughs> the, the coaching staff have given them, uh, apparently, a 64-piece dossier of each team.
2: 64-piece dossier on each team. What, what are you making? We're going to get into... Uh some banged up players going into these friendlies in a second but what do you make of having to start with the best team is that good or bad.
1: I think it's good you yeah. know let's jump in with both feet it's the first World Cup for for you know 36 years first World Cup for these players let's see where they are and where they're at against one of the best teams in world football no pressure on them right that they could lose that one 4 0 it's OK it's Belgium uh, and then by the time we get to Croatia. Maybe, you know, you're a bit more comfortable. So I actually like this. I I think, you know, potentially the key game is going to be Morocco. Let's be honest here. If somehow Canada gets a point in those first two games, then that Moroccan game could be a must win. And Morocco's a good team. Don't get me wrong. a very good team, actually. But Canada potentially could win that match. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm getting excited. Once the emotion of all the, the qualifications worn off, and now it's the nuts and bolts, and you start evaluating the teams and the group, you just realize how tough a group it's going to be, but that's okay. This team's got potential.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the friendlies and let's talk about the injuries going into the friendlies. Atiba Hutchison has a bone bruise. He's not there. Jonathan Osorio has been going through neurological dysfunction. And Tejon Buchanan has a quad injury and basically hasn't played for Club Bruges. Uh, which concerns you the most, James?
1: Yeah, neurological dysfunction, something we know well uh, about, Timmy. <laughs> um, my concern, honestly, without a single doubt, is that Tiber Hutchinson, a uh, deep bone, bone bruise, they're tough injuries to get over, and they're saying he'll be back end of October, right? The World Cup kicks off later in November. Yeah. That's a very short runway for, for a player to get fit. Now, he's always fit. Atiba is one of those freaks of nature. He's one of the fittest players in the squad. But having not played all season long, to be thrown into a World Cup, to me, that is extremely concerning because even at 39 years of age, he's still key to that midfield. He's still arguably the best midfielder they have, although Stefan Stastki is making a big case for that these days. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a real concern. I know John Herbert mentioned sleepless nights at the moment. I bet tell you it's because of him, because of Atiba. You need him healthy.
2: You almost need just his presence. And and we we researched this a little while ago. If he ends up playing James, he would be the second oldest. Uh, non-goalkeeper, to play in a World Cup behind just Raja Mila. Like, this would be heartbreak for a guy who has put in the time, who has put in the effort to be captain Canada and to not be able to go to the World Cup would, would honestly be heartbreaking to many Canadian fans.
1: It'd be devastating. Yeah. You know, he is the, the one player in that squad that needs to be there just from what he's given to this team over the years. I mean, he's never said no to this team. He thought about retiring a couple of years ago now, but he was convinced to play because of the World Cup and what part he played in this team. So for a team and not to make it, I mean, I'd feel so awful for for the man. I, I really would. Um, but let's be honest, To take it from purely a footballing standpoint, Canada needs him. You know, yeah. he's still fluid in that midfield. He's still a wonderful player at 39 years of age. Roger Miller, at his age, his last World Cup, he was done, right? He was living on, on the past. A team is not living on the past. This team needs that, that silkiness and that leadership in midfield. But like you mentioned, um, if he doesn't get there as a player, um, they'll bring him. They have to. He's so important. He's their leader. He's the soul of that squad. But, yeah, for someone that's covered him like yourself for a long time, I'd be just devastated for the guy if he didn't make it.
2: Okay, so where there's injuries, there's opportunities. We saw some new names on that list uh, of players who will be in for these friendlies. Who are you most excited to see?
1: Luca Cogliosho is a really interesting player. He's a teenager. He's just breaking through Espanol in La Liga, which is Spain's top division. Um, and they're a, very, they're a big team, Espanol, sharing the city with Barcelona. He's getting more minutes this season. He is the real deal. He's going to be very special and will be part of this team Moving forward, now he is a, a dual national. The states want him as well, but John Herbin can promise him a World Cup spot, whereas the states can't do that just yet. So the way it works with, with Kolyashu is, um, he can still play friendlies and he won't be cap tied. He can right. still play three senior games, competitive games, and he wouldn't be cap tied. So even if he makes the World Cup squad and he plays three games, he could still opt for the states. But listen, let's let's not think about that right now. We've been through that before. <laughs> he he's a great talent, a wide player, great pace. Such confidence and poise for a youngster. He's someone to watch the next couple
2: of games. Right, you said wide player, uh, just to confirm. Just, just for those who may have heard white player, no, wide player. Wide, <laughs> wide. yeah, yeah. I heard I white. So heard Wait a second, no, Gary. Okay, right, so let, let's let's just focus on the last thing, and that is the unfinished business of a deal for these players who are again playing without a deal because they haven't got one from Canada Soccer. Does this um, like how big a shadow over all this? Are, are you Worried that something might not get done here?
1: Well, listen, I'm sure they'll get something done for the World Cup. Will there be a full CBA in place by the World Cup? Maybe not. That that could drag on beyond the World Cup, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, the players have submitted an offer. Canada Soccer come back this week with another offer. Things are very quiet right now. They're, they're talking at least as a positive sign. Um, listen, there, there's divisions clearly between the players and, and the top brass. There always has been. You hope it gets done in time, but, you know, these are changing times. The players need to realize where Canada Stock is at financially overall in the big picture. And Canada needs to realize that keep the players happy and, and you'll be okay. But at the moment, um, you know, I know players are using the media more so than Canada Stock is to negotiate, I think, in some ways. Mm-hmm. But it will get done eventually. Um, but obviously, something must be done before the World Cup. And I, I, I'm confident something will be done, but it might not be the full CBA
2: there's a gravy train coming just don't bleep it up is what I say to both sides. Honestly, so
1: we hear. so we hear. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Um, well, you know, it depends who you talk to some people say it's not quite what you might think. Corporate Canada isn't quite so jump so quick to jump on that again yeah. just yet. Yeah.
2: Just, just wait till the world the World Cup rolls around they win one game and corpor- it happens all the time. <laughs> wow. Honestly, it's reactionary. It's always reactionary and you can see the train coming. There's another World Cup by the way coming in four years and it's in canada like there's no He's way that, with you yeah there's no way that corporate canada does not line up and if they don't it'll happen from outside in i guarantee bleeping into you uh james always great catching up here thanks for doing this see you guys cheers uh, footy prime podcast Sharman proper pies mm-hmm. james sharman right Class here act. on tim and france um, is there breaking news from the jays who are about to get going with the rays on a four-game series yeah in there Tampa? is
3: Okay, We knew uh, Santiago Espinal was going for an MRI. Yeah, not in the lineup today. Not in the lineup today. He left the game last night. We do now know that Espinal has been placed on the 10-day IL with left oblique strain. Mm-hmm. Otto Lopez, recalled, will be active tonight. So we have our answer as to what happened to Santiago Espinal and what it means moving forward, at least for the next 10 days. This is probably not
2: the time where I read that stat about Whit Merrifield, right? Yeah,
3: probably not. Okay. Yeah, just a stat, right? It's just a stat. Not just a big deal. a stat. meaningless number, according that, to Joe Sittle. That's
2: what Sittil. Joe Sittle told us. Uh, that game about to get underway on Sportsnet and Sportsnet now. It is the Jays and the Rays. First pitch to fly around 6.40 Eastern time, 3.40 on the west side. Coming up from footy to football, Browns and Steelers on tap Thursday night football. We will chop it up with former NFL receiver Brandon Stokely when we come back on Tim and Friends. Jason and Rays about to get going over on Sportsnet. Meanwhile, if baseball is not your thing, there's a pretty good Thursday nighter. It is the Steelers. It is the Browns. And my next guest was not only the first D1 player to average, I say average, 100 yards or more per game over a four-year career. He went on to play 15 seasons in the NFL, winning, I don't know, three Super Bowls and catching almost 400 balls. Now he does some work with our friends over at Bet Rivers, as well as a... On the fan in Denver, making his maiden voyage here on Tim and Friends. Please help me welcome. Brandon Stokely. What's good, Brandon? Thank you.
0: Uh,
2: any anytime. I, I uh, Jesse and I were talking about this and I rifled off a pretty damn good career. And yet when I hear the name, when I say the name, um, all I hear is Gus Johnson yelling Stokely. Do you hate? or love the Gus Johnson Kyle Orton 87 yard catch and run.
0: I absolutely love it. I mean Gus Johnson made that play Uh, a lot of people still talk about it. That's how they remember me from the tip ball to open that season up Uh, just being in the right place right time. Look I mean if you if you make a play like that or a part of play like that I was just it was just lucky right I didn't really do anything special Uh, how could you not love it and enjoy it and so that's where I'm at Uh, I don't have many great things that you know I still do or still hear about most things are negative especially doing sports radio so when people bring that up it's awesome Uh,
2: we called it the Gusgasm back in the day for those who may not remember or may have forgotten uh, let's relive it now that Brandon said that he doesn't mind it (laughs)
4: Again
0: to the sideline.
7: Batted up. Oh god! Stokely down the sideline! Can he catch up? Stokely! Wow! Touchdown!
5: Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness! What a play! Right place, right time. Brandon Stokely. Incredible.
2: So people don't yell at you, Stokely, all the time.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, unfortunately, I would love it if they did,
2: though, <laughs> but they don't. Uh, Thursday night, one of the great rivalries in all of the leagues, Steelers-Browns from Cleveland. Um, I mean, Mike Tomlin is 24-6-1 all-time versus the... I, is it a rivalry if if Mike Tomlin is 24-6-1 all-time against the Browns?
0: That's a good question. Um, you know, they, they've owned them, but I, I think right now, you know, the the it's becoming a little bit more even here uh, with... with been Roethlisberger not being the quarterback you look at Cleveland what they've been able to do here the last couple years so yeah it's it's a rivalry You look I played in that division played against those teams twice all those games um, except back in the day except Cincy all those games were rivalry games I
2: I thought last week uh, speaking of old school Browns it was the Browniest of the Browns Browning and Part of me feels like chomping at the bit to get out there, but do you expect a hangover after blowing a 13-point lead with less than two minutes remaining against the Jets?
0: That's just devastating. You, you got a chance to um, go two and zero there, and you just fall apart. I mean, how does that happen? You uh, just can't happen, especially against the Jets. You're talking about the Jets' offense. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing to get back out on the football field quickly and uh, get back out there and try to get rid of that feeling uh, of just giving that game away and that's what they did they just gave it away Uh, so uh, I think it's a good thing to be back out there quickly. We'll see you know some teams are able to get over it some teams it just lingers. Let's see how Kevin Stefanski and the Browns do.
2: Hey one of the things that I loved about your 87 yard catch and run was you had the wherewithal to run along the goal line and waste some time as the clock was ticking under 15 seconds left some suggested that Nick Chubb needed to go down at the one on his third touchdown with under two minutes left. He said I should have gone down at the one. Um, Jets out of timeouts. Do you agree?
0: Look, I mean, normally, yes, I would agree with them. Uh, but you're going up by 13. You kick the extra point. I mean, we get the kick or miss a dang extra point. You go up by 14, you know, that that should be good enough. No timeouts. And it wasn't like the first down was at the five or six yard line. It was at the one-and-a-half, two-yard line. So how do you go down with getting the first down and still, you know, not scoring a touchdown? Really hard thing to do. He scored the touchdown to go up two scores against the Jets. Hey, defense, how about stop them? How about not giving up a you know a bomb on the second play of the drive and and just blowing the covers. How about that. How about recovering on onside kick. Nick Chubb is the least of the worries. He was fine. He you know he, he's a pro. He's taking it on himself. But that's not on him man. That's on that defense uh, for blowing that and the special teams for not recovering the onside kicking the defense giving up another touchdown.
2: Yeah I couldn't agree more. I, I, you mentioned the the Ravens and when you played with the Ravens and you were in that division with the Steelers. I mean to me that might be the best rivalry in the history of football. What was it like playing in those games.
0: Oh it was tough. It was really I didn't know anything about it. You know Baltimore Ravens were you know his right new franchise at the time and um, it just kind of happened and those football games I think it was old three River Stadium or something like that on that turf Uh, and it was hot. Uh, they were re- always had really good defenses. And then it, it's, just, it's just the blue-collar nature of both of those football teams. Great organizations, well-run organizations. They have continuity and consistency. And it just shows. And, they, and both those teams don't like each other. And they're always really good. I mean, you're talking about just always some epic, epic battles. Uh, and they were fun to play in back in the day.
2: Were they really fun to play in, Brandon?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, I got hit a lot. I didn't catch a lot of passes. So maybe it wasn't that much fun. As time is going on, I forgot. Like, it was probably more miserable than fun. You're probably right.
2: But yeah, listen, the heated rivalry makes the game. I, I absolutely love it. Before we let you go, I know you're doing work in Denver these days. And I was telling anyone who would listen before the season started that I was high on the Broncos and that people were sleeping on the Broncos. Now, well, how high is the heat on Nathaniel Hackett's seat just two games in and about to play in a Sunday nighter?
0: As hot as it can get, you know, for two games. It's been an absolute disaster. Didn't think it could get worse after that primetime Monday night opener against Seattle, and then it did get worse. But a lot of people didn't see that Houston game, thank goodness. Everyone's going to be watching again Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. So. And he, you, got, you also got to remember the Broncos have a new owner here. They got new ownership group, and and they're not the ones that hired Nathaniel Hackett. Their first glimpse of him has been the last two weeks, and it's been an embarrassment. Imagine spending $4.5 billion, and this is what you're watching. Uh, Expectations were extremely high, like you said, around the country. Uh, and and so far, it just hasn't been good enough. It's been incompetent. And so, uh, look, he's a young football coach. He's got a lot going on, but you got to get that stuff fixed out. I would be upset if I was coaching my Pop Warner team and stuff like that was happening. It cannot happen in the NFL. And we'll see Sunday night if they got it corrected. Obviously, they know they got things they need to fix and correct. And we'll see Sunday night if those things are are corrected. No one expects it to be perfect. It's going to be, it it is tough. You're going to have some mistakes, but they've had way, way too many mistakes, uh, penalties. um, That You just can't win football games like that in the NFL. So Sunday's going to be another test. And I know the whole country's going to be watching again to see if Nathaniel Hackett, you know, gets stuff fixed or if he keeps screwing things up.
2: Hey, listen, my hairline suggests that I've been around for a long time and I have been around for a long time. But (laughs) the. There's never been a coach to get fired like three four games into his first seat like that just doesn't happen. C- could that happen here.
0: I, I want to say no. Right. Um, because this ownership group is is you know they're not hotheads right. Uh, but at the same time look like I said we didn't think it could get worse after week one and it did it got way worse in week two. If the trend continues I don't know how you just continue to watch what you watch. Broncos country over here was not happy. I mean, they were booing. They were counting down the play clock because of all the delay game uh, uh, penalties that the Broncos were getting. They weren't getting the plays in on time. There you go. Counting it down. Um, uh, uh, Too many men on the field. Not enough men on the field. I mean, it's been an absolute complete disaster. I would be upset if my Pop Warner team was doing that, and you just can't do it in the NFL. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen, Uh, but if it continues this way, I, I wouldn't be shocked.
2: It's crazy. By the way, full, like, uh, we we give out horns here, and, like, the Denver fans counting down the play clock may have been, like, the quickest adjustment I've seen from a fan base ever. Kudos for them for that. It was awesome. Hey, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you dropping by and talking a little football with us.
0: Thanks for having me. Anytime. I loved it. Had a a blast doing it. Uh, Best of luck, and thanks for having me.
2: Awesome. Anytime. Brandon Stokely. Stokely! Right here. On Tim and Friends, uh, are you a Gus Johnson fan? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. March Madness was
3: that slippers down fits. Remember yeah, that one? It just
2: seemed like for a while he it was like a Gus. You know, a Red Zone Alert. Yeah, it was just Gus Johnson Alert. He yes. had the luckiest draw on games. He kept getting <laughs> the best games. That was one of them. I remember back in the day we used to call it. Gus Johnson alert. What game is he's calling? Because that's going to be the game of the week, even if it wasn't the game of the week. Yeah, he made things exciting, even when they weren't. All right, listen. Jays in action against the Rays. That is over on Sportsnet. We will continue on Sportsnet 360. One last break. Last call. Rubinoff. Next. We conclude another edition of Tim and Friends with Last Call. Jesse Rubinoff, my friend, take it away. Let's do it up. Uh, Canada got off to a good start
3: at the FIBA yes, Women's World Cup with a win over Serbia. Last night, Kayla Alexander led the way with 13 points and seven rebounds. Canada next faces France tomorrow at 4 a.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. Were you encouraged by what you saw last night?
2: Oh, without a doubt, There was less pressure on this team than you could see I think... Listen, Serbia was a team that they faced in the first game at the Olympics before they bowed out, before the group stage. Mm-hmm. And they lost that game by four points. And Natalia Chanwa was talking about how they felt the pressure going into that because they were ranked fourth and that they needed to do blank. I think what you saw last night was they didn't need to do blank. They they were relaxed. It was a hectic game. Serbia plays this crazy pressure style game and Canada basically were in control for most of it. I mean Serbia made their run, but they were in control. Now listen, it's gonna get tougher over the next little bit here. You've got France still, you've got Japan still, and you've got the host Australia. It, it's not going to be easy for this team, but if you were watching last night and you were looking for a good start, you got it. That's that's what you saw from Canada and it was a little bit of everybody. They went deep in the bench. Uh, Leticia Almaher had a good game, Kia Nurse in limited minutes, had a good game you mentioned, Kayla Alexander, Near Fields was good. Like there were a lot of people contributing to what the women were doing last night. Yeah. I would say that's a really good start for Canada and we'll see as they go along here on the Women's World Cup. Live on Sportsnet. Nice.
3: Certainly what you want to see. Okay, staying with basketball, Kawhi Leonard has been cleared to fully participate in Clippers training camp, which opens Tuesday in Las Vegas. Although the team says they will take a cautious approach with their star forward, Kawhi missed all of last season, recovering from a torn ACL. It's been almost 500 days since we've seen him in an NBA game, and he's fallen to 12th in ESPN's player rankings. Do you think he can get back to being a top five
2: player in the NBA? My brain says yes, my gut says no. Interesting. I I feel like he's had the the greatest um, precursor to an injury is a previous injury, and he's just had so many injuries. This is the reason why he was available to the Toronto Raptors, and this is the reason why he hasn't been able to play in L. A. and get them to where a lot of people like. Think of Steve Ballmer when they introduced Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. and what they've done since. Like it has been a letdown. I, I don't know if he'll ever get back to the level that he was when he left the Toronto Raptors, and it's a shame because when healthy, when consistent, one of the best players in the league, bar none. No question. But we haven't seen that guy for a long time, and it's gonna be—it's gonna take at least fifty games for me to trust that he can do that again. Yeah, oh, just thinking back to the championship. If rock. they ran it back,
3: get to your like—he was the king of get to your spot and score Just took over. Uh, Hopefully he can get back to that kind of cool. It was fun to watch. Uh, Let's go to golf. The President's Uh, Cup. I don't mind it if he's in another city. Yeah. It's a different conference too. It's all good. Um, President's Cup got underway today with five foursome matches. Two-man teams competing in alternate shot format. The U.S., won each of the first three matches and looked like they might sweep the day, but the international team rallied late. Oh, really? As Siwoo Kim and Cam Davis beat Scotty Scheffler, world number one, and Sam Burns. And in the last match of the day, Canada's Taylor Pendrith and his partner Mito Pereira were all square on the 18th hole with Tony Finau and Max Homa, but the Americans pulled out the win to take a 4-1 lead. Today is the first day of fall, so is your golf season
2: over? My golf season never started. I golf really? once this year. One time this year. We gotta change that in 2023. Oh, it That's is, rough. it's almost depressing. But ever since I, I had kids, That's the, the number went down. And then now my kid plays baseball mm-hmm. in the summer, and I gotta get them to all those games and do that thing, I don't know, called work. This show is not good for the golf game. Not the conducive. The timing of this show is not conducive to
3: golfing. No, not at all. But we gotta get you out more. How many times did you play this summer? Yeah, I just want to follow up on the President's Cup. Uh, The international team is down 4-1. They led after just three of 83 holes played today and somehow got a full point out of it. So, could have been worse. Yeah, much worse. Could have been worse. It will be Yeah, (laughs) you think so, eh? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, How many times did you play this summer? Uh, A lot, but I haven't played in a month. Back, hip. Bothering. your neck your back
2: yeah okay. uh, 1-1 <laughs> nice. in Tampa if you want to flip over Jays and Rays coming up Red Sox Yankees D-backs Ducks.